Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he treated every individual with the perfect balance of love and honesty. When Nicodemus, for example, a self-righteous religious leader, came to have a talk with him, the Lord Jesus treated him with absolute respect and tenderness, all the while remaining perfectly honest. He told Nicodemus without hesitation that he was not ready to meet God the way he was. And it surely wasn't easy for Nicodemus to face the fact that his need was as great as the worst sinner in Jerusalem. But Christ had to give him the facts. There was a problem. A problem with his first birth. A problem with his heart. A second birth. A new birth would be needed to fit Nicodemus for a place in heaven. He needed to have his sins forgiven. Well, it's the same story for us today. God wants each one of us to own up to our sinful nature and to admit that we are sinners lost sinners who need to be saved. We need a new heart, one that has the life of God within. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen looks at this second birth as the absolute requirement for a person to get into God's heaven. But what about you? Have you been born again? Has there ever been a time in your life when you received spiritual life from God through trusting Christ as your Savior? We trust that this message today will help you to understand your need and direct you to the only one who can save you, the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 and verse number 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi or teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof. Canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? We don't read of anything else that Nicodemus said that night. But we're just going to look at verse number 14, because the Lord Jesus goes to explain how this could take place. He says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's go down to the very last verse, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, just one final verse in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. It's some very, very solemn words. Verse number 24, the Lord Jesus is speaking. He says, The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Notice this. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Quite a statement, isn't it? The Lord Jesus is addressing one of his own disciples, and he said very clearly, very solemnly, it had been good if that man had never been born. We're looking at John's gospel, some of the great themes and some of the great truths of of what John wrote. He's thinking back upon the experiences of his life, and he is writing of the greatest person that he ever met. In fact, he could say as he began to write, we, we beheld his glory, we saw it personally. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. It was full of grace and truth. You know, the more you look at ourselves, the more disappointed you'll be. But you know, the, the more you look at the Lord Jesus, the Savior of sinners, the more you'll be overwhelmed with the glory and the beauty and the perfection that marked him. He was absolutely unique because, you see, he is God in human flesh. You'll notice that John writes so much about light coming in. And in that light, he makes us aware that God's love has shone upon us in full blaze. John's writings are are full of the love of God. We read one of the verses, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But you know, a lot of times love, humanly speaking, is just from the lips out. But you know, God's love was from the heart out. And God revealed the fullness of his love and the greatest gift ever given. He gave his son. And why did he give his son? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe you've come to this meeting and you might have asked yourself, is there life after death? You know, that's a good question. What about the future? But you know, I'm convinced there's an awful lot of people, and if they come to a meeting like this, they're likely coming with maybe a little different question. They're wondering, is there life before death? What is the purpose of it all? Am I here for any specific reason? Is there a purpose for my existence? You know, as you read this gospel, this wonderful book, we find that John writes over and over again of life as it was meant to be lived. And if you turn to 1 John chapter 5, you'll read these words. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. But as he's thinking of, of this life that he has observed, the majesty of the person that he's come in contact with and has believed and trusted, and he's writing of various things that Jesus did, various signs. And then he writes, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. He said, I, he could say, I was there, I saw it. But he said, as he wrote, but these are written. I've recorded these that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing ye might have, here it is, ye might have life through his name. So obviously we're not talking about physical life tonight, are we? Because we're all very much alive. 
But what John is writing about and what God is so concerned about concerns not just physical life, but spiritual life. We have read of, first of all, God's revelation as to who we really are, and that has to do with our first birth. We've all had a birth. In fact, if I were to ask you for your birth certificate, you'd be able to pull it out, and I'd know the date, and I'd know the place, and I'd know your name. We've all had a a physical birth, a first birth. And so what we have read concerns God's revelation as to what that first birth really means. But we have read, secondly, about heaven's requirements, and that involves another birth. We have read of a man in John chapter 3. No, he wasn't sitting in a meeting like this. He made his way down the streets of Jerusalem one night, stopped at a door, knocked at the door. When the person came to open that door, he just said to him, Sir, could, could I have a talk with you? And the Lord Jesus said, Come on in, Nicodemus. You're welcome. And in that little interview, this man made a tremendous discovery. And you know what Nicodemus discovered 2,000 years ago? I discovered 36 years ago. It was a hall where the gospel was preached. And I can recall going into that building and out in the foyer, there was a, a Bible text, a Bible verse. And as I looked at that verse, it was exactly what Nicodemus heard that night where the Lord Jesus said, unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Though I was a church member and sang in the choir and thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad of a fellow. When I saw that verse, I became aware for the first time in my life that I wasn't ready. I didn't meet the qualifications. There was an absolute necessity that I didn't have. You must be born again. Heaven's requirement is for a second birth, a new birth, a spiritual birth, a birth that takes place by the very power of God. And tonight, unless you have been born again, I trust you understand that you're not heading for heaven. Nicodemus must have been amazed, must have been jarred, must have been jolted by the absolute truth of that statement. Nicodemus, I'm going to tell you the truth. Don't be amazed. You must be born again. I want to just touch very briefly at the end, if we have time, of the tremendous remorse, the tragedy of individuals who leave this life with only one birth. Does it happen every single day? In fact, from the time that we have come, there will likely be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that will step into eternity with only one birth. And it's the greatest tragedy. It's the greatest remorse to step into eternity with no Savior, with no preparation, with no forgiveness of sins, and to awake in the place of damnation. The Lord Jesus spoke so clearly and openly and plainly about hell and hellfire. You say, do you people believe that? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. As the Lord Jesus looked at a, a disciple who had so much privilege and knew so much truth, he said, it would have been good if that man had never been born. And could I just take those same words? If you were to lose your soul for the unending ages of eternity, I trust you understand, friend, it would have been far better if you had never been born. But you are here tonight. You must face how God views you. And so I want to look very simply at God's revelation as to a first birth. You know, I'm sure that all of us have had occasion to be around newborns. I say it was a, a real exciting time as a father to be present for the births of our three boys. 
uh, might as well call it a miracle. It was, it was an exciting time to see this new child, our child, our sons, and to understand as we looked at them that they had been born, they'd started a journey. It was a miracle. The weight, the magnitude of, of the start of that journey is overwhelming because you see this new child just commenced a journey that would never end as far as eternity is concerned. The journey of life comes to an end, but friend, that is not the end of our existence because we are creatures of eternity. When a child is born, born with a design of heaven, God's hand is upon that little child. God's greatest desire is that they might come into the purpose and blessing for which that child was born. And you know, I'm sure every parent here, and I'm, I don't think I'm any exception when our sons were born, we, we dreamed dreams. And we thought to ourselves, wonder what they're going to become. What are they going to be like? And they developed and they grew and their personalities began to be revealed. And ah, oh, there's tremendous delight in, in a family. It's one of the purposes for which God has allowed us to be here, to enjoy relationships, to enjoy family relationships. But you know what I've discovered? And you know what my parents discovered? Some of their fondest dreams were disappointed because there's something wrong, not physically. There was something wrong with the inside. Perhaps you know what I'm talking about. There was a stubbornness. There was a self-will that was evident very, very quickly. And you know, as God begins to reveal who we really are in his sight, he makes us aware that the problem is with our nature. And the truth is, is that we are sinners, sinners. And though that little child that looks like an angel for a while, soon very much apparent that he ain't no angel and she ain't no angel, just a little sinner. And the longer you look, the more you'll see evidence of that. You know something? I never had to teach my boys to tell a lie. Never had to call them over and say, no, boys, this is how you do it. Okay, natural. Never had to tell them or show them how to disobey. Never had to tell them how to talk back. Tried to teach them respect, but talking back? Natural. And you know, as God reveals the x-ray as to who we really are, what this first birth has brought, it's not a very flattering picture because God says we are rebels, rebels. We've gone our own way. We go astray as soon as we be born speaking lies. We're deceivers. You might think I'm being hard. I, I don't think I've touched the, the fringe of the fringe because as God sees who we really are, he makes us aware we are rebels. We are determined to go our own way. And not only that, but God says we are dead, dead in trespasses and sins. Physically alive, but spiritually separated from God. There's no relationship. I trust you understand that, that that's the way we come into this world. Not linked with heaven, not linked with God, but separated because of our sin. We can't help that. That's the result of our birth. Because our parents were sinners and their parents were sinners. It goes right back to our first parents. Sin is passed upon all men. And we were born with a nature that could only sin. We were born separated from God with no spiritual life. And that's why we have to face, we have to face that our first birth has put us on the wrong road. Mr. Murray McLeod, years ago, he's a preacher of the gospel from Eastern Canada, and I remember him telling about a visit he made to a contact in eastern Ontario. He came into the yard, and he noticed that the house owner was out by the well at the back of the house. And he was putting the pail down and 
bringing up the pail of water and throwing it out and putting the pail down again, and he was emptying the well. And so Mr. McLeod went over and he said, uh, what are you doing? Oh, he said, uh, I've, got a, I've got a water problem. There's a bad, bad taste in my water. He says, I think it's down there. And so Mr. McLeod just kind of stood there watching, and the water level was going lower and lower until finally the man, he said, oh, there it is. I could see a dead muskrat decaying at the bottom of the well. I suppose the house owner had installed new pipes or put brass-coated faucets on all of his sinks. Would that have solved the problem? I mean, it would cost him a lot of money. New pump. You know what the problem was? Down at the bottom of the well. You know where our problem starts? With our very nature inside. We were born that way. And that's why if you are trying to get to heaven and get to God by what you do, friend, you are not going to do it. You're not going to make it. Because God said, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't do it. You might live to the best of your ability. You might be honest and upright and church going and hymn singing. Say the Lord's Prayer ten times a day. But friend, if you've only got one birth, you're separated from God. There's no relationship. Sin has come between you and God. And until that sin is removed, until your nature is changed, you can't approach God the way you are. You can't get to heaven. And that's why when Nicodemus came that night, he made an awful discovery. Because as he began the interview, and I, I think it's very courteous the way he interviewed started, Master, teacher, we recognize that you are a teacher from God. Nobody can do what you're doing except God be with him. Now that was respectful. That was a, a proper evaluation. This man was trying to open up this conversation, this interview. He was looking for truth. And yet as the Lord Jesus spoke to this very religious man, and he was, could I say, the best of the best? In fact, if we had been his next-door neighbor, we likely would have said, if anybody's going to heaven, it's Nicodemus. I mean, just, just look at the way he lives. Look at how much he knows. In fact, if I understand correctly, this man likely had memorized most of the Old Testament. This man was part of the governing religious body of Jerusalem, part of a 71-member committee. Sanhedrin. This man was very respectful, very religious. He did everything right, tried to keep the law 100%. We'd have thought if anybody's going to heaven, Nicodemus is a, is a guaranteed shoe in. And yet as the Lord Jesus looked at this man with love and with compassion and with grace and with truth, he said, Nicodemus, I'm going to tell you something clearly. Don't be amazed at it unless you are born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, I, I don't understand. I, I, can't, I can't comprehend how I can be born physically over again. I, I'm an old man, he said. The Lord Jesus said, no, no, no. No, you've got it wrong, Nicodemus. I'm not talking about a physical birth. A physical birth prepared you for life. But what you need is a spiritual birth to fit you for heaven. And he said these clear words, you must, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now let me ask you very simply and very personally, have you been born again? Do you have a spiritual birth? Do you have a second birth? Because unless, friend, you can look back to that moment when you received life through the work of Christ, you are not ready for heaven. I hope that I'm not hard tonight, but it was a truth that I had to face. Too many people are just drifting along thinking that their good works and their religious adherence, and all their associations, and the way they live, and their attitudes, that should have some merit. I think I can get to heaven like that. The Lord Jesus said it clearly over and over again. You must be born again.
Unless a person has that new birth, life from God, they are not ready for heaven. As Nicodemus came to the place where he says, I don't understand, how can these things be? He was opening himself up for the explanation. And the Lord Jesus very, very clearly and simply took him to an Old Testament story. And then he explained how that serpent was lifted up upon a pool. If you don't know the story, read it in Numbers 21. And those that were bitten by the fiery serpents, when they looked to that serpent of brass, believing the record, they lived. They were healed. They received life. And he said, just as Moses did that, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. How is a person born again? How do they receive life from God? Not by our efforts, not by what we do. We must receive life from someone else. And God said, he that has the Son has life. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And as Israelites looked to that serpent of brass, they lived. 36 years ago, by faith, just believing what God said, what he revealed in his word concerning an uplifted Christ, the man who hung upon a cross, why was he there? He was there, as we've been hearing, to bring God and man together again. He was there to become the link. He was there to give life. 36 years ago, reading God's word, lying in my bed in a boarding house bedroom, I understood for the first time that when the Lord Jesus hung upon that cross, he was bearing, suffering, and paying for my sins. All my sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God, who knew them, laid them on him. And believing, the hymn writer says, I go free. Believing, I receive life. I was born again. When I think of that moment, I didn't really understand all that happened. It was simple, and yet it was wonderful. I understood this. Marv, you'll never be in hell. Thank God. I understood that the Lord Jesus had died for me. Wonderful. But you know, I was to discover that my, my nature was changed. Things I didn't enjoy before, suddenly I enjoyed. A book that I thought was pretty dry and dusty suddenly became a new volume. You know why? Birth brings a new nature. New birth brings a desire and a love and appreciation for that which involves God. There's a new love for the Savior. Love to sing about him. Still do. Love to be with Christians. Still do. People wonder about us spending a whole weekend together at a conference listening to the Bible being explained. It must be awfully boring. <laughs> Not really. It's our life. That's what the new nature is all about. Discover that I wanted to please him. For 22 years, I'd live for myself, my plans, my future, what I want. Now I had a desire to please him. You know what happened? A new birth brings a new nature, a change. Everything changes. I'm not suggesting that it's going to be a, a, a bed of roses, no. But, oh, it's life as it was meant to be lived, because the Bible says, he that has the Son has life. You've been born again? You look back to a moment when you received life and forgiveness and reconciliation through the mediator, our Lord Jesus Christ. Because, friend, unless you do, you haven't started to live. And if you come to the end of the journey as you are tonight, there is going to be the remorse, the remorse of a tragic eternity. Let me ask you as I close this meeting, do you have life, everlasting life in Christ? Nothing more, nothing less? His friend, if you only have one birth at the end of the journey, Jesus said of Judas, it had been good if he had not been born. Greatest tragedy, greatest loss. That's why I trust that you will come to Christ tonight as a guilty sinner and find life 
Ja. Yes, just as Moses lifted up that brazen serpent on the pole, and it only required a look to live, Christ also has been lifted up upon a cross for all the world to see and trust. We hope that you will receive this new life today, this new nature, a heart that loves God and will serve God in the time that remains of your life here below. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.